You're listening to Trucking Questions from the Audio Road with Kevin Rutherford. This is the show that puts the money where it belongs, back in your pocket. You can ask questions about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, tax, technology, or anything else about the business of trucking. Here we go. Let's head on down the audio road. Welcome to the program. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. The show, well, it's all about the business of trucking. We take your calls and we answer your questions about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, retirement accounts, financial planning, taxes, tires, getting your own authority, finding freight, working with brokers, you name it. We'll tackle it here on the air. All you have to do is pick up the phone and give me a call. And uh, just looking uh, through some emails today, and I saw the uh, van rates are up two cents this week. Uh, Reefers are up three cents. Flatbed, well, it's kind of flat, no pun intended. No no real change in flatbed this week, but um, rates are up again. Load-to-truck ratios are all looking good. Uh, actually the one number in the economy right now, that's actually causing me to worry a little bit is fuel price. It's dropping really fast. And I don't think that's a good thing. It, it could be a sign. I think it is a sign that OPEC is starting a price war and that could put a hurting on some U S oil companies. So we need to keep an eye on that. But right now, all the numbers with, uh, rates, and volume and load to truck ratios all look good. Let's get to some phone calls. Let's start off in Oklahoma tonight. John, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. Great to talk to you again. What can I help you with today? Uh, I got a, I got a question on uh, whether or not I should be uh, start an escort for January next year. And uh, I got a question about buying a pickup truck, using it as a contact truck. I can't get my truck to the house to do any kind of maintenance on it. So I was going to build a contact truck. I got a mobile repair truck. And if I could, if the company could, uh, my, the corporation, I'm uh, LLC, if the truck, if the company could buy the truck and I could use it, you know, write the whole truck off as a business expense. Got it. Okay. So whether or not you should be an S corp, do you know roughly about how much you're going to net my net as of date right now is around eighty. You should have a business uh, business report, release and print it off. It's around eighty thousand dollars. Okay, yeah, I've got that here. Let me take a look. Uh, yes, so that makes. See, here's the thing. Questions are so easy when I have the numbers in front of me, it, and it's so frustrating when people have questions and I don't have numbers to help make the decision. But you do. Love that. We've got a profit gauges report here, and you are doing outstanding. I mean, gross of a dollar ninety-two a mile. Uh, fuel cost is at fifty cents. Maintenance is at sixteen. I mean, you're keeping ninety-six cents a mile. Great numbers. So yes, you need to be incorporated. Now the truck. I think the maintenance is a little high because I bought parts from like like you said the fast and uh, yeah the, the crankshaft damper. I bought parts that I really didn't have to buy, but I mean, it's for I. I need to confirm fuel mileage. Yeah, so absolutely. And, you know, and when we look at it as a percentage of revenue, it's only eight and a half cents out of every dollar. So it, it's uh, your revenue is high enough that that's not a problem. 
so clearly, okay. yes, get the corporation going. It's gonna you're gonna save five or six thousand dollars a year in tax with the corporation. So pretty significant. Okay. The the question of the truck, and here's the thing. Is this going to be a, a pickup truck with some tools in it that you're going to use a lot of other times, you know, to run to the store for ice cream or, you know, or no. is it you're going to make this thing a true service truck and that's all you're using it for? Just a service truck. My wife's not going to drive a truck. It's, it's a 69 Ford F100. It's, Got it. I can pick it up for $1,000. It's an old truck. I'm going to put a generator and air compressor in the back of it. Yes, so then going to be a service truck. Yeah, then you would write that off a hundred percent towards the business. Okay, and should I buy it? Uh, like I'm not incorporated as far as the S corp yet, so should I wait till January? It, or it can really, I buy it now? Just and buy it now. Company can buy it. Yeah, just just buy it now. It's easy to convert it to the company when it's time. Okay, sounds great. And then uh, what about tracking? You know, the mileage. Do I have to track the mileage then on that no. truck? No. Nope. Since I'm since, oh, just take the yeah the, uh, right the, the rates. Well, you'll just use your actual expense, or you can keep track of the miles and take the mileage allowance, and that would probably with an older truck probably be better. But you you don't need to keep two different logs because this isn't ever going to be used for personal. Let's uh, let's go to Canada. Sean, welcome to the program. Uh, good afternoon, Kevin. You got my skill gauges there? I do. What's on your mind today? 95,000-pound load on six axles, lots of idling, and I don't like the fuel mileage. Can't do anything about it. The tires are XDA5s again. I'm just on a rant, that's all. I can't do anything about it. I don't own the truck. I wish I did. My boss is talking to a guy. He's got eight and a half miles a gallon on the new Cascadia Evolution. He's thinking about trading my truck in on the Cascadia. I told him, you do that. I'm going to find out where you traded. I'm picking up this truck, and I'm going to solve the problems because I know what the problems are. Right. First thing, right. change tires. Yep. Next, S-bar bunk heater and uh, engine heater. And then we don't worry about generator. He's trying to build a generator. He's been on this for about a year. I told him just at $10,000 compared to $2,000, just give me an engine heater and a bunk heater, and I'll be happy. You solve that problem. The weight, we can't do anything about. This truck absolutely hauls it nicely. And 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 we just got to get better rates on the triaxes, which we are getting them. Right, right. I'd rather run the state. I want to go back to 80,000 pounds. I don't like this ugly weight. That, that that weight is just brutal. I mean, it really is. It it's it really makes getting fuel mileage difficult. There's no question. The you know, the thing about the Cascadia Evolution that I that I hope he's aware of is yeah, he hears from one guy getting 8.6 this week. Uh that guy next month might be getting 6 and and I hear from Cascadia owners every day that can't get better than six and a half. We had one today who's getting six point four, and and nobody knows why, and nobody will be able to fix it. That it, it's too much of a risk for me. I love the fact that you can walk in, buy an Evolution, take it out, and it gets over eight miles to the gallon, bone stock right off the showroom floor. But I hate the risk that I'm always going to be worried. When is something going to go wrong? You know what. I can get, if I talk to Tim Hepler, 
I can get eight miles to the gallon out of this Coronado. If he trades it in, I'm going to the dealer and buying it because I've got a 95 engine here. Pulls the here's, straight. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. If you can, I mean, if you're serious about getting this, if they trade it in, you need to get to them before they trade it in. Because the dealer, the dealer on paper, and I'm just going to throw out numbers. This doesn't have anything to do with the the value of the truck you've got. But the dealer is going to look at a truck and offer twenty five thousand for it, and then turn around and and sell it for thirty five. Now they didn't really give twenty five anyway because they're going to mix up enough of the numbers between the new truck and the old truck that they're not even giving you the twenty five they say they're giving you. And then they'll turn around and sell it for 35. Well, if you could just get to the carrier first and say, instead of trading it in for 25, sell it to me for 25. This is a, a 2012 Coronado with a 95 engine. It's a glider. They're not going to get this. I am going to chase them down. I'm going to hunt them. And I'm buying this truck out of them. Yeah. Without the dealer looking at it. Absolutely. Yeah, that's. This is the. I told them, I'm going to handcuff myself to the steering wheel with this truck. You're not getting it to a dealer. That's a good idea. If you can get this thing from them, that would be the way to go. And you're right. You know how to fix the problems on this truck. We could make it an eight mile per gallon truck all day long and and not necessarily eight miles to the gallon at that kind of weight. But we can make this a really good fuel mileage truck at any weight. Let's go to Tennessee. Ken, welcome to the program. Uh, good morning, Kevin. Good afternoon. How are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful. What's on your mind today? I uh, I talked to you once before. I'm doing my homework. Uh, I'm uh, several months out, a year out of buying a Fitzgerald glider, and uh, I'm looking at uh, uh, the cost effectiveness for a Columbia versus the 660 is the difference of uh, a $1,671 payment versus a $2,089 payment. The problem is that I plan on pulling the tank. And with the high rise of the Columbia, uh, how much fuel mileage am I going to lose versus being able to take that wing off the 660 and uh, getting uh, getting it uh, down? Well, hold that thought. I'm going to put you on hold, and we're going to come back right after the break. And we're going to talk about that. Stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Rutherford.
Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. If you need any help from us, we're always here to help. 855-800-FUEL is the number to call. 855-800-3835. We're going to go back to Tennessee. Ken, you still with me? Yes, sir. Uh, why can't we get a Columbia in a midroof? Uh, we can, uh, but I kind of like the room on the inside. Oh, okay. All right. So, you know, it's hard to say um, that we will lose some fuel economy by putting a a, a full high-rise in front of a tank, but th- there's no real testing to tell us how much. We do know that that's not the best aerodynamic situation. You're going to give up some. It, it, just guessing, I would say it's two tenths or less. Okay. Uh, my second question is uh, the cost value of a 13 speed would be a couple of thousand more dollars versus a 10. Uh, what benefit would I have uh, out of a 13 speed versus a 10 speed? Uh, so is it uh, $2,000 price difference? I believe so, yes. Okay. So, you know, the the 13-speed certainly makes a truck more drivable. We have that ability to split a gear instead of waiting for that big jump. It improves fuel economy slightly, probably a tenth or less. Uh, But even if we called it a half of a tenth, let's say that a 13-speed only improves fuel mileage by half of a tenth, which we'd never be able to measure, But if it did, even with that tiny little change, that would save you $500 a year. And if you keep the truck for 10 years, that's a $5,000 fuel savings. And you had a truck that was more fun to drive and more drivable. So, you know, there was a time when I used to recommend 10 speeds. And in some operations, I still do. Uh, For my operation, for example, running the Southeast, the 13 speed would not have improved fuel mileage at all in that operation. And who needs to split a gear when you're only running Florida and Georgia, there isn't a hill anywhere. So I 10 speeds were fine for me. If I was running an operation where I was going to be in the hills and I needed to, to pull, then I, I would splurge and get the 13 speed. Okay. I have one final question and I appreciate your time. Uh, I stay on the road uh, and I, and when I do buy the truck and start uh, uh, pulling tank, I'm going to be on the road probably two months plus at a time. That's just the way I I work. Okay. Uh, I am looking at having a uh, APU installed uh, because of being gone so long, right. where would I go wrong versus the other application that you're talking about? Uh, how much saving fuel? You know, here's the thing. It, it, it's getting harder and harder to justify the, the $12,000 APUs. Uh, yeah, other five is what they're asking. Yeah, exactly. So by the time we get this thing installed, and then we have to remember it's not like they're free after that. You still put fuel in them. You still have maintenance on them. They'll still right. eventually break down. Right. I, I, I don't know why 
as an industry, we didn't put more emphasis on running generators instead of APUs. You know, I, I think the generator makes more sense. Produce electricity with a generator and then run everything else off that electricity. But there there aren't any real good solutions on the market for that. You kind of have to put together your own. But I know a lot of people who have put together their own setup with, a, you know, an, an air conditioner, a rooftop air conditioner, a back wall unit, um, a fairly inexpensive gas generator. You can even find some inexpensive diesel generators. I still think for me, that's the way I would go. I mean, virtually unlimited electrical power. And there's so many things we could run off of that. Well, if I go with the Columbia and I put 20,000, that's going to get me an APU and my payment is going to be uh, uh, $1,671 a month. Okay. And that seems like to me that's very doable. Oh yeah, that that's really reasonable. I, I you know I that payment I would I wouldn't worry about it at all. And like I say, it, it the, you know I can't say there's anything wrong with the full blown APU. I, it, it they're nice to have, no question. I just I really think I prefer a generator. Let's head off to Pennsylvania. Dave, welcome to the program. Hey Kevin, how are you? Doing great. Hey, I've got a tire. Yeah, I got a tire question for you, but I have I got a comment to make first, if if you don't mind. Uh, sure, go ahead. Uh, about about three weeks ago, I was driving down the road listening to your show, and he had a he had a bunch of calls about the Maxwell uh, start module on that particular show, and I you know I bought one nine months ago, and it hadn't been working out great for me. I've been my batteries are it just hadn't been working out great for me, and Lisa. Put, she put the word out, and I got a call from Sean from Maxwell Batteries, from Maxwell Start Module. And my my word, me and that guy sat on the phone for an hour and a half. I learned more in an hour and a half talking to this guy driving across the country than I did 10 years about batteries. Wow. What a wonderful, what a wonderful uh, uh, customer service. I got to tell you, got all the problems ironed out. Oh, excellent. Yeah, and we love those guys. I mean, they have a great product. It's amazing technology. And for a big company, and they are very big. I mean, Maxwell Technologies is worldwide. For a big company, they have very, very excellent customer service. Oh, guy told me, here's my number. Call me anytime you need to. Yeah. Oh, I know. I know they, they've they've been fantastic with us, so we love that. I mean, those are the kind of companies we seek out. The thing is, you've got to be very careful. Every company, every company in the world will tell you their customer service is that good. Very few yeah. can actually <laughs> deliver it. Absolutely. Turns out I was just asking my batteries to do something they weren't designed to do. Ah, good. Well, I'm, I'm glad he was able to help you with that. Yes, he was. Here's what I had to call you today about. I'm putting a, a pair of steer tires on here in a week or so, and I want your recommendation on the Michelin. Now, this is what I picked out. You tell me if I learned anything from you. Okay. I, I picked out the X Multi Energy Z from Michelin on the 22.5 Low Pro. Yes, that it. That is the the yeah that the that is the new steer tire that is is. They're they're bringing out that whole multi line, which is they're they're putting a lot of features into one tire: low rolling resistance, great scrub resistance, high mileage, 
all kinds of, yeah. you know, the very best technology all into one tire. So, yeah, I've never used that tire, uh, but I have to uh-huh. believe just, you know, understanding how Michelin builds tires and understanding that tire. I think you're going to be very, very happy with it. And that's my next choice for a steer tire. The problem is I just put a brand new set of XEA threes on mine right before they brought that tire out. And I just, I don't put enough miles on my truck to wear out a set of tires. I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. They're at a hundred rolling resistance right at a hundred, which, uh, um, isn't bad at all. It seems like all of them numbers are changing just a little bit over there, but, but yeah, I think I'm on the right track with them. Absolutely. Yeah. And I learned something. I'm paying attention. There you go. That's right. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. I appreciate the support. Uh, let's, uh, let's go to Kentucky. Jim, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. Thanks for taking my call. We're looking at an oil sample here. Uh, what year and what engine? Uh, 02 Columbia, Detroit. Are you idling a lot? Um, yeah, some for heat. Okay. And that's kind of my question. There's yep, a little that, bit of dilution. Very little I bit, just though. Very little. So if you're idling for heat, even a couple nights a week or here and there, that would be enough to show this much dilution. And again, at anything under... You know, certainly anything under four, but even under five, I'm telling people, let's hold off. Let's not be so fast to go in and look at injectors. Let's wait and see what happens on the next sample. There's a real good chance this is nothing but the idling causing this. Yeah, I just bought this truck. I put 14,000 miles on the fresh oil change that was on it. I When I changed it, I put an OPS and switched to synthetic. Good. Should I wait the 20 to sample, or should I sample earlier is my question. Uh, let's sample at 15. 15, okay. Uh, you got time for one more tax question? Uh, sure, go ahead. Um, I've been hauling RVs with my pickup until four months ago when I bought this truck. And with my pickup, I've always claimed miles instead of expenses because it always works out to be more. So being I switched in the middle of the year, can I deduct miles on the pickup for the first half of the year and expenses on the semi for the second half? Hold that thought, and I will be right back with an answer. Hopefully a good one. Stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. If you need some help from us, give us a call. We're here to help. 855-800-FUEL. 855-800-3835. I'm Kevin Rutherford. We'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. The number to join us, 8888 Road Dog. 
We're going to uh, go back to Kentucky. Jim, you still with me? Yeah. All right. So where were we? Uh, the tax question. Yes, that's right. I okay. From a pickup to a so here's the thing. Um, you know, we're getting back into the tax business this year. And one of the things that I did a little differently was I, I was in the tax business for 15 years, stayed up on top of everything all the time. Now that I've been away from it, I stay up on it, but not as quite as much as I used to. So Getting back into it, we're going to partner with a full-service accounting firm um, so that I have that research ability. That I don't have to go do it. I can go to them. And, and I'm going to take this to them. But here's the way I understand this. And, and I don't think there's ever been a change to this, but I'm going to go find out. I don't think it was ever correct for you to use mileage, period. The way I understand it, and I know a lot of accountants, I've seen a lot of accountants do this, but the way I understand it is if the vehicle is used for hire, then you can't use a mileage allowance. You have to use actual expenses. So the difference is you're using the vehicle to produce the income. Whereas if I go out and jump in my car and run to the bank uh, to deposit some checks for my business, I'm using the vehicle in the business, but it's not it's not producing income. It, it's just secondary. It's just a tool I use to help in the business. It's not how I make money. I understand that if that's the case, then you have to use actual expenses. But I, I'm going to double check. Now, if it turns out that it is okay for you to use mileage on the pickup truck, then yes, you could do mileage on the pickup truck and actually expenses on the big truck. Okay, perfect. But the question is, can you use mileage allowance at all for that vehicle? And like I say, I, I'm, I'm going to go do some more research into that to make sure something hasn't changed. Yeah, because my tax guy has always let me. I didn't know that I wasn't. Well, there well, are some. To. No, I know. And there are some things in the tax code that, even though the code says one thing, yeah, well, and it gets done totally different in the real world. Let me give you another example. The way that I read the rules on per diem, that if you are more than a 2% owner of the corporation, if you're incorporated and you're more than a 2% owner, you can't use per diem. You have to use actual meal expenses, but yet nobody in the trucking industry ever does that. They all use per diem. So I, it, it might right. be just another one of those cases that the law says one thing, but in the real world, everybody does another. I, I don't know. I, I'm going to find out, though. Let's head off to Ohio. Michael, welcome to the program. Yes, sir. I heard your call earlier about the CMC. Yeah. And what I was wondering was, what is the possibility of getting to the point to live stream? Uh, it's certainly possible. The- yeah, um, we looked at that. I looked at that in depth a couple years ago. I looked at all the equipment we would need, the technology, and it wasn't that bad. I mean, we could pull that off, and I, I could certainly make it cost effective. Thank you. Here's the problem, um, and, and the reason we didn't do it then. And unless something changes, I, I don't see us doing it anytime soon. 
And here's the problem. I, I've, I've researched tons of events that have tried this over the years. It never works very well. Nobody seems to be very happy with it. Um, people don't take it very seriously. Um, here, here's the other thing to remember. Our CMC, we, breakfast is served at 7 a.m. We never kick mm-hmm. off the event past 8.01 I mean, literally, I I am a stickler for starting things on time. We start at 8 a.m. every morning, and we don't usually finish in that seminar room till 6 in the evening. And then we usually have breakout sessions at night, and we have things going on out in the parking lot. Very few people are going to sit at their computer for that 50 hours by themselves just sitting there staring at a computer. And I think that's one of the problems is that – People don't feel connected enough to it. So I've talked to other companies who have tried it, and they all say they won't do it again. They had too many unhappy people, and we haven't really seen that take off. The technology has been available right. for at least a decade, probably more. I mean, I know I was looking at that possibility 10 years ago. The technology has gotten better and better every year, but I don't think it's the technology. I think it's the human factor. Well, and that's why I was thinking about, like, for us who, you know, because you got a limited resource on, on hand, on site, that is. So we, we all can't fit in there. And for some of us who, and, and the technology has improved to the point where we don't have to sit on the computer. We can actually put it on TV, even go to big screen if you had to, if you got one. But, you know, it, I don't know. I just, I guess it depends on how bad you want it. Yeah. And like I say, I I looked at it. I love the idea. But unfortunately, like I say, I I went to the people that have tried it. I I, they have firsthand experience. And most of those people tell me they wouldn't do it again. They too many people were unhappy. They didn't see the value in it and that I'm not willing to to do that to the CMC. The program has such a great reputation. We have such a strong following. People love that program. We love it. It gets better every year. I I don't want to minimize that. I don't want to diminish that. And like I said, I thought it was a great idea too until I went out and researched it. And I just haven't seen anybody succeed well with with live streaming of seminars. Let's uh, let's go to Florida. Henry, welcome to the program. Kevin, amigo. What's I up today? I just started marching on my truck, and I want to get a battery isolator now. And I want to know how many amps do I need to buy one for? Uh, I have uh, I have three batteries left in my truck. Okay. You did you just buy the start module? Yeah, about uh, two months ago. Okay. You don't need an isolator then. I know you've heard me say that you have to put a battery isolator in, but they changed the design of the uh, ESM. So are you installing this yourself? I already did install it. And the thing is, um, I need to replace all four batteries. So I, uh, first I bought the Star Marshall, and now I have the three I had, the three old batteries, and it did discharge my uh, Star Marshall when I tried to start it because the other batteries were kind of dead. So I finally put all three new batteries plus the star module. Now I want to put that uh, isolator so it doesn't happen again. Well, I I don't think that's your problem. What I want you to do is I want you to call Maxwell directly. 
because there, I, I think I created some confusion around this issue, and I want to make sure you get it straight from them. Give Maxwell a call and, and run this by them. And I'm going to go check with them as well because I, I'm not clear. I installed one earlier when we were using an isolator, and then I had mentioned it on the air, and then I got an email from Maxwell saying it didn't need an isolator. I'm going to go back and, you know what I'll do? I'll probably get them to come on the air with us, and we can just get all of that clear. Uh, but for you right now, I would say um, give them a call directly. Uh, okay, I'm looking at the clock, and uh, I think I'm going to take us into the break, and then we will come back. We've got one more segment to go. We'll get to those calls and questions right around the corner. I want to let you know about our recording schedule. In fact, write this down, put a reminder in your phone. Real simple. Three days a week, we record off the air, and it's easy to join us. All you have to do is dial a phone number at a certain time, and I'm going to give you that phone number, so grab something to write with. And here's the schedule. Put a reminder in your phone every Wednesday, Thursday, Friday afternoon at 1 p.m. Eastern time. Now, sometimes we're recording serious XM content. Sometimes we're recording podcast shows, but we're recording on those three days, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday afternoon, 1 p.m. Eastern time. Now, the way you join us, real simple. Pick up your phone and dial a number. That's it. You don't need an access code. You don't need anything. And then you just sit and listen, or you can jump in and ask a question if you want. The number you call is 347-884-8327. That's 347-884-8327. That'll get you in. Now, as far as um, finding all those shows, our network should be up and running this week, and that's going to make it much easier to find the shows. And uh, we're also working on an app for that as well. So we'll keep you updated on that. Stick around. We'll be right back with more stuff right around the corner. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. We're down to the final segment, so we're going to get right back to some phone calls. We're going to head off to uh, Pennsylvania. Victor, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. Pleasure to talk with you. What can I help you with today? Um, I'm new to Profit Gages. I joined in October when you offered your fourth quarter special. Okay, good. And I'm trying to set this up to reflect my expenses 
And, and what I'm running into is this seems to reflect a sole proprietorship where you don't have any payroll taxes. Um, what I had done before I got my uh, into my lease operation situation was I formed an LLC. And I'm paying myself through into a payroll. So I have all this big FICA, FUDA, all these big tax bills that I'm having withheld from my own paycheck because I'm paying myself as an individual from a corporate account. And I don't know where to put that into profit gauges. Okay. So reflect my corporation. Yeah. So I can help you with that. Did you said you formed the LLC? Did you choose the election to have it taxed as an S corp? I did. Okay. All right. So then that's all correct. Well, the way you do it is we have categories for both wages and taxes, and you can create subcategories under those categories. And that's what I would recommend doing. So, you know, under wages, you can create a subcategory and just use your name as the subcategory. That way, if you add a truck or you add a driver, you could just put their name and then it's real clear category as well. Sure. Yeah. Then it's real clear to see who's getting paid what. And then under taxes, you could put a subcategory for FICA, FUDA, workers comp and any of those other taxes you're paying yourself and just put those as subcategories under taxes. Okay. Cause I, I knew I, I could write those off against my, Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Tons of money to the gov. Yeah. Hey, can I ask you a quick question about trucks while I have you? Sure. Do we know how much a P three eighty seven weighs? Um, I I would like to go with an older. If I can find one that's been rebuilt, I would love to go that way in the future. But I've got a twenty thousand pound weight limit at my carrier. Uh, I don't know how much a three eighty seven weighs, but I I would have to believe that we could certainly build or or make a 387 that's under 20,000 pounds. Okay, so my goal isn't unreasonable. I don't think so. I mean, I I, I don't I don't think there really is a truck model on the market that I couldn't get under 20,000 if I had to. Okay, well that, that that's really Now what what year um, are you looking uh, at? About a mechanical guy. <laughs> what year are you looking at? Um Whatever I can find pre-emission, okay. I, I know and, we don't want to get into the Acer engines. Exactly. Was, yeah. Something else I'm trying to figure out is how, how do you know the difference? I've seen some as low as 805 that are advertised as pre-emission. Yeah. That's See, here's, here's the correct. yeah here's the misnomer with that. There are a lot of people who believe that we don't call trucks emissions until they have a DPF, and that is just false. So you'll hear people say the 04, 05, 06 are pre-emission because we, and even 07s because we really didn't start putting DPFs on trucks till the 08 model year, and that's false. Anything with EGR is an emission engine, and anything with ACERT is an emission engine, and EGR and ACERT came out in 03 and 04. But I, I do see that a lot. I see people trying to claim that 04, 05, 06, and 07 is pre-emission because it doesn't have a DPF. Absolutely not well, true. Well, your 03s and 04s, you probably have both out there, so you want to be easy. I mean, it's possible, well, but the thing, you it, could it, have either and either model, correct? Yeah, 03 and 04 are the years you need to be careful. Now, in a CAT, 03 will likely be a bridge engine. 
and 04 will be a full-blown twin turbo acert. Now, the, the CAT is the easiest engine to look at and know whether it's emissions or not because of the twin turbos. If it's twin turbo, it's an acert, and it's, it's an emission engine. Now, the bridge... Okay, then how do I recognize the, a bridge? The, you, the only way to really recognize a bridge is by the serial number, and... Oh, I just drew a brain cramp. M, MBN? Maybe I think it's got MBN. Somebody will send me a message on Facebook and uh, let me know, and I'll I'll repeat it because I always forget that one for some reason. I have a mental block, but th- there's a designation in the engine serial number that tells us it's a bridge. Now the thing with the bridge is, I, I wouldn't necessarily pass up a bridge. I would talk to Pittsburgh Power and see if there's something they could do with that particular truck. So if I found a truck, it had a bridge, I would call Pittsburgh Power, say, here's the truck I'm looking at. Can you do anything with this? Because that can be an easy fix. But the ACERT I would stay away from, uh, and certainly anything with EGR I would stay away from. Sure. I, I mean, I'm leasing one of those now, and I'm just, you know, it, I, I've listened to you enough to realize that I was probably a misstep, but I got my feet wet, wet somewhere where it's not costing me a ton of money, so I guess I've got a fair priced education. Yeah, good. So being pre-emission, it's even easier to get that truck under 20,000 pounds. So I, I don't think that's going to be a problem. Let's go to Michigan. Mark, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin, how you doing? Good. What can I help you with? I got a CAD A-cert, 06, and I'm having trouble with it missing real bad when it's cold, and it'll actually just like puff blue smoke, almost looks like an old steam engine, and then it'll smooth out as it gets warmed up, and then now it's starting to occasionally, when it's cold, like, I mean, cold outside, about below 30 degrees, it'll occasionally miss just a little bit when it's hot. Have you done any oil samples yet? Oh, yeah. yeah I do them all the time. I've had you look at them. So. Okay. Anything showing up as far as uh, any traces of coolant or fuel? Uh, about 2% fuel dilution. Truck's running great. You know, it's just that it's, all, it's done this cold thing for, I always forget about it because in the summer it usually kind of goes away. If it's real warm out, it doesn't do it. But usually it'll just do it. You know, to, as soon as you start getting up to speed, it'll start chugging if you start pushing on it too hard and if you just kind of easy on it it'll and then it goes away yeah if if when we have a situation like this if there are no other symptoms oil samples look good fuel economy is good performance is good when it's warm i usually let this go you can spend a lot of money trying to solve a problem like this that really isn't a problem I mean, it's happening for such a short period of time that it's not affecting anything, and trying to find it can be difficult, really difficult. So usually I say... Yeah, that's why I say if we look at everything else, samples are good, fuel mileage is good, performance is good, I usually recommend just waiting to see if it ever gets any worse. I've had Detroits that miss forever. I've had Detroits that have a rough idle forever. And sometimes right. I've tried to fix them. Sometimes I found the fix was very expensive. And other times I looked at it and thought, is this really a problem? And, and well, I many times Chad it's about not. It, and they said, suggested, I thought it was kind of goofy that it might be a, I thought it was kind of dumb, a, a valve that's not sealing when the engine's cold. And I said, that just seems kind of 
been doing it for a year. Well, and, and see, that's yeah. kind of my point is, is if you take it to them and ask them to fix it, they'll spend a lot of money and not come up with anything. Right. Okay. I'll just run it then. That That's really my best advice for problems like this because I, I've just seen so many people throw a lot of money at an issue like this and, and never get it fixed anyway. So, all right. So I, I want to, uh, I'm going to take us into the break and, uh, oh, you know what? Actually, I'm going to wrap up the show. We are just about uh, done because this is the final segment. Uh, I do want to let you know about our year-end accounting special. We run this at the end of every year, and you can't beat this deal. If you are not using profit gauges, now is the time to get started. Here's how this is going to work. You could join right now. It's December. And you could choose the startup program, which is $25. And here's how this would work. You'd pay us $25, and we would go back to your first month of this year. If you've been an owner-operator all year, we would go back to January, and we would do your January bookkeeping for you. We would set up all your accounting. We would put in all the data, and we would generate that first month's report for January. Then we would get together with you and show you how to do it. And then we would open up the program so you could put in the rest of the year and it's only going to cost you $25. For $25, we're going to do one month, set it all up for you, train you, show you how to do it, and then let you use the program the rest of the year for free. $25, you get your entire year's worth of accounting done with our help. It doesn't get any better than that. Don't pass up this special. Give us a call. In fact, call right now. It's 855-800-FUEL. 855-800-3835. Thanks for joining me. We'll see you back here next time. The website is letstruck.com. The number to call us, 855-800-FUEL. 855-800-3835. I really do appreciate the fact that you chose to spend an hour or so with me tonight. And we'll see you back here next time. Be safe, be profitable, do the hard work, and master the journey. Good night, everyone. I'm Kevin Rutherford.
Thanks for tuning in to The Audio Road. If you have any questions, give us a call at 855-800-FUEL. That's 855-800-3835. Check out the website at letstruck.com and find us on facebook.com slash letstruck.